Good afternoon, and thank you for being here today, both in person and online, uh, to share in what I know will be an exciting announcement for our city uh, and this province. As many of you know, I'm Lindsay Clark, and I'm the mayor of Medicine Hat, and I'm thrilled to be joined this afternoon by a number of special guests, including the Honorable Danielle Smith, Premier of Alberta, and our local MLA, for Brooks Medicine Hat, the Honorable Matt Jones, Minister of Jobs, Economy and Trade, Rochelle Andres, CEO of S3 Group, Rick Christiance, CEO of Invest Alberta Corporation, and MLA Justin Wright, who is our local MLA for Cyprus Medicine Hat. Before we get started, I want to acknowledge that we are on Treaty 7 territory and the traditional homelands of the Métis people. Without further ado, I'd like to invite Premier Smith to offer a few words um, on this partnership. Excellent, thank you. Why, thank you. <laughs> and thank you, Your Worship, Mayor Clark, and good afternoon to everybody here. It's a pleasure to join my government colleagues, Matt Jones, our Minister of Jobs, Economy, and Trade. Uh, R.J. Sigurdsson, I think, was supposed to be here. Is he here? Oh, well, maybe he'll show up a little bit later. He's our Minister of Agriculture and Irrigation. He'll be very excited about this. Uh, as well, of course, we've got our, uh, my seatmate, Justin Wright, who is the MLA for Cypress Medicine Hat. And uh, we've got Rochelle Andreas, of course, CEO of S3 Group, and Rick Christians from Invest Alberta, all for today's good news announcement. Today's announcement is twice as exciting for me because I am here not only as the uh, Premier of Alberta, but also as the MLA for Brooks Medicine Hat. And I'm so pleased to be, to be joined by everyone. So wearing both my hats, I want to welcome S3 Group to our province and to also thank you for choosing to open this facility in Medicine Hat. There are reasons why, many reasons why, agribusiness would invest in Alberta and invest in this city in particular. Medicine Hat is home to Canada's largest irrigation district and is the third largest exporter of agri-food products in the country. The area is a hub for agricultural activity and home to a strong urban community. And with this location right here on Highway 1, the city is a perfect fit for the S3 Group's sixth manufacturing facility. S3 Group is also a perfect fit for Medicine Hat and Alberta. They're creating good jobs for people in the area and adding energy and excitement to an already vibrant community. In fact, it's already part of the community. I understand that this spring, even before the doors officially opened, the S3 Group contributed to the B Youth Center, helping to keep the center operating. So thank you for so quickly becoming a strong force for good in the community. Your choice to locate here is about more than just being a good neighbor. It reinforces the value of promoting Alberta's strengths in the agriculture industry. More and more businesses across the spectrum are choosing to locate in Alberta, thanks to our low taxes, business-friendly environment, and our focus on cutting the unnecessary red tape that hinders growth. We are committed to encouraging businesses to grow and thrive in Alberta, and through our investment and growth fund, we are providing nearly $1.3 million with the S3 Group's expansion to Alberta. This investment is a testament to your good work and reputation as a manufacturer and an exporter. It also demonstrates that Alberta's government supports private enterprises that bring high-value jobs to Alberta and help our economy grow. 
We understand and appreciate that it's private enterprise behind increasing investment in our province and growing our economy so that there are more good jobs for Albertans has been our overriding goal from the start. Before turning things over to Minister Jones, on behalf of Alberta's government, on behalf of the people of Brooks Medicine Hat, I want to once again welcome the S3 group to Alberta and thank you for everything that you bring to our province. Congratulations on your new facility and I look forward to our continued partnership and I do wish you a very long and bright future in Medicine Hat. Thank you, and now turning it over to Minister Jones. Thank you, Premier Smith, for those words, and to Her Worship Mayor Clark for that kind introduction. I'm pleased to join you both, along with S3 Group, Invest Alberta, and Cypress Medicine Hat MLA Justin Wright, for this exciting announcement. Thanks in part to $1.3 million from Alberta's Investment and Growth Fund, or the IGF, S3 Group is expanding operations into our province by opening their sixth manufacturing facility in North America right here in Medicine Hat. This will lead to an exciting 100 permanent jobs for Albertans. To S3, welcome. You are among friends in Alberta. And as the Minister responsible for jobs, economy and trade, I see exponential value in our new partnership. By providing nearly $1.3 million through the IGF to help close the deal, Alberta's government is supporting S3 Group's roughly $7 million investment into their expansion and facility. This funding is a clear indication of the commitment and support from our government, and one of the many reasons businesses continue to feel confident about investing in Alberta. S3 Group's IGF funding is coming from our rural stream, which was added in 2022 to support investment in important communities outside of major city centres. Medicine Hat is joining Stony Plain and Lethbridge County as communities benefiting from the rural stream with good-paying local jobs and economic growth. And while the IGF directly benefits recipient companies and, of course, the local community, it's worth noting that investment anywhere in Alberta benefits all Albertans. In fact, for every $1 million in grants awarded, over $70 million is expected to be spent in our province. This is an outstanding return on investment. And since the fall of 2021, the IGF has awarded grants that will create more than 1,000 permanent full-time jobs and more than 2,700 temporary jobs in the next three to five years. The IGF is just one example of why Alberta continues to be an investment destination. Alberta has a competitive tax system with an 8% corporate tax rate, the lowest in Canada and among the lowest in North America. And our government's efforts to cut unnecessary red tape, modernize regulations and reduce administrative burdens have saved Albertans and businesses more than $2.6 billion since 2019. This leaves businesses like S3 and investors to focus on what they do best, creating jobs, opportunities, and continuing to grow our economy. We also continue to remove barriers for workers and to attract talent to our province in high-demand areas, including healthcare and skilled trades. So Alberta's government is proud to support S3 Group's Medicine Hat expansion. With access to Alberta's talent and resources, we know that the future is bright for this company and that their presence will enrich not only Medicine Hat, but all of Alberta. We want to see more companies make the same choice, the smart choice, to grow and prosper in Alberta. And with a business-friendly government, strong incentives, including our IGF, and the good work of partners like Invest Alberta, we will. Our government will continue to support investment and job creation in every corner of our province, and we are delighted to welcome S3 Group. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. The remarks from our provincial government really speak volumes of the importance of today's announcement and demonstrate how strong, supportive partnerships 
benefit all of us. And now to the beneficiary of this funding, S3 Group. Rochelle Andres is the CEO of this innovative and growing agriculture, agriculture manufacturing company. On behalf of the city, I want to say thank you for choosing Medicine Hat to expand your operations and play host to your sixth North American manufacturing facility. With that, I would now like to invite Rochelle to tell us more about what today's announcement means to us three group. Well, thank you, Your Worship. First off, I'd like to express my gratitude to the Government of Alberta, the Premier, the Minister of Jobs, Economy and Trade, and their teams for considering the S3 Group for IGF funding. The teams within the provincial government, Invest Alberta, and the City of Medicine Hat, and other regional stakeholders have been exceptional partners in this journey, genuinely invested in the success of our project. Thank you. The Government of Alberta's investment in the IGF program demonstrates a long-term vision of commitment to economic growth, diversification of the economy, and providing meaningful employment for the people of Alberta. Canadian farmers are world leaders in the stewardship of soil, water, and energy. The velocity by which technology is being adopted and agronomy is being developed is unprecedented. As the scientific practice of farming advances, so too does the equipment required to feed a growing world population. At S3 Group, we see a tremendous opportunity to reshore manufacturing to North America in a responsible way with the products required in our backyard. We believe that the economy of the future depends on people who know how to grow things, how to build things, how to extract things. The marriage of the practical, tangible world to the aspirational one is made possible by the belief that real change comes incrementally from a culture of continuous improvement and knowing that every day can be better than the last. This is why Southeast Alberta is such a good fit for S3's growth strategy. Medicine Hat has a long history of innovation and ingenuity, but it's rooted in hard work, honor, and getting stuff done. The S3 group is proud to be part of this community, and we thank everyone who made today possible. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rochelle. Uh, finally, we're pleased to have a representative here from Invest Alberta Corporation. Rick Christians and his team helped make the partnership between S3 Group and the province a reality. I'd now like to invite him to say a few words on behalf of Invest Alberta Corporation. Thanks for the introduction, Mayor Clark. And welcome to the S3 team to Alberta. We're glad to have you here. Thank you, Premier Smith, Minister Jones, and Mayor Clark. Your prioritization of high-value, high-impact projects is why companies like S3 choose to relocate to Alberta and grow their businesses here. It is Invest Alberta's role to connect these companies to industry, government, and economic development organizations as they explore the opportunities that our province offers. What makes Alberta unique is that all partners work together to offer seamless service that makes it easy for investment to flow into Alberta. We call that the Team Alberta approach, and it makes us unique. S3 decisions to expand into Alberta is a testament to the opportunities available in southern Alberta and across the province. Our world-class talent, connectivity, and state-of-the-art research create the ideal conditions for companies like S3 to come here. 
thank you for, to everyone for your tirelessly advocating for the growth and diversification of the Alberta economy. We look forward to continuing to support S3's growth and success in Alberta. Thank you for inviting us to celebrate this exciting event. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, Rick. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to say what a pleasure it's been um, to have S3 Group host us here in our wonderful city. And I've even wrangled a tour for myself when, when they're operational. And for the Premier, Minister Jones and Rick to be here um, and able to join us as well. Thank you. Um, so I want to uh, just express how grateful I am to have S3 here. Not only is it uh, good for our economy, I think it's good for our region's economy. It helps us to you know, develop our agriculture uh, industry. And, and as was mentioned by Premier Smith, they are clearly committed to being a good partner in our community and a great community member. So I wanna thank everyone for attending today. And I will now turn it over to Sam Blackett to moderate any questions from the media. Thank you. Uh, we'll start off with questions in the room here today. We'll be going with one question and one follow-up and a reminder to the media to please state your name and outlet before asking a question. So we'll start off at the mic at our back of the room here, if you'd like to go ahead. Uh, hello, it's Colin Glant, Medicine Hat News. I, th I think we'll discuss the project here uh, probably quite a bit after uh, for quite a bit. Very exciting news, but um, you're in uh, Medicine Hat and Medicine Hatters love talking about power, electricity. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure you're aware that there's a, a very large rate debate going on right now. Um, do you, can I get your, your take on what's happening here? You do have a, a, a large rate debate in the province as well. Um, and of course, there's, there's uh, the situation here where we have a, a, a big change in policy. Um, your take on that uh, and, I mean, is there larger changes coming for the Alberta market? There are larger changes coming. I think we've all learned that the regulated rate option is not working the way it had intended. It's not providing the protection that it was intended to. So we have uh, embarked on a, a six-month pause on solar and wind as part of that process we're going to look at how our renewables integrate into the system how we build more baseload power how we're able to provide price stability how we're able to provide uh, reliability those are all things people expect of the of the power grid and it's uh, it's a problem that's happening all, all over the province we recognized it very early in our in our new mandate which is why we've uh, we're taking action to be able to address all parts of it a word about the action the city of Medicine Hat's mm -hmm. taking, changing. I mean, they've essentially ejected themselves from, from following the RRO. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and also, you know, people here have gone so far as to say that the Medicine Hat exemption should be per perhaps re-examined and blended into the rest of the provincial mm -hmm. system. Have you heard that as well? And is that I, something I'm you're not, I've not heard that. I do at? understand that Medicine Hat, because it's a... Uh, sort of a, a separate regional system has the ability to make those kinds of choices. And um, if I understand it, the, the rate has been brought down to 7 to 11 cents a kilowatt hour. That is what we're striving to make sure every uh, provider is able to provide across the entire province. That's, I think, what Albertans expect. And so we'll, we'll be working to make sure that we can make the policy changes so that we can stabilize the prices. Thank you. And do we have another question there at the mic? Hi, Alex McWaig, Western Producer. Uh, I'm just hoping you can comment a little bit about um, the current drought situation, and, uh, specifically when it comes to the rivers and reservoirs. We are, we're seeing 
a lot of the reservoir is drained right now, uh, old man especially, um, and some of the river. There's 43, as of yesterday, there's 43 uh, water shortage advisories from Hay River right down to Milk River, mm -hmm. but specifically on the irrigated areas. What's, what are you telling irrigators, uh, how are you telling them to prepare? For well, we, we know that there's a long-term solution that we have to have, which is managing water better as, it, as we have the high season of uh, water runoff that happens in the spring. We are building more irrigation infrastructure with that in mind, that we've got to manage our water better. And uh, we'll have to be continuing to work with the scientists to see whether or not this is a, a short-term, a mid-term, or a long-term problem. But the uh, my environment minister, who's responsible for uh, for water, is uh, is looking into this, is going to be engaging with uh, the public about how we should be addressing these issues. I know that uh, R.J. Sigurdsson, my agriculture and agri-food minister, is also um, actively working on how we can do better water management. And we also have um, an agri-stability program so that we can provide that short-term relief when we do end up with the kind of uh, catastrophes that we've seen this year. So we're working right now with our federal counterpart to make sure that we can provide that, that type of broad-based support. And we're, uh, so it's a, there's multiple different actions we've got to take in the short, mid, and long term. And uh, on that short term, mm -hmm. I, I mean, the Deputy Ag Minister, uh, Jason Hale, um, well familiar with the irrigation mm -hmm. networks, he uh, described the situation as potentially dire mm -hmm. if uh, the situation doesn't change, if we don't get moisture yeah. uh, to replenish the reservoirs and rivers. Um, any, any kind of hard data that you can give uh, to producers who might be making choices about what to plant next year or like how is the situation, if the situation is going to continue like this, what is the strategy the province is going to take? Well, I'll, I'll have to, to defer to my to my agriculture deputy minister, because as you know, he used to be involved in the eastern irrigation districts before, watching it very closely. And as we also know, I mean, things can change from one week to the next. I remember we had, we were calling the billion-dollar rain that happened at a, a pretty crucial point. And when we were in uh, in June, in the early part of drought, it, it didn't help uh, this part of the world uh, as well as it did in central Alberta. So the... Um, I'll, I'll have to. We'll have. We'll keep on monitoring it, and I can get him to follow up with you to see if he, if he has any any of that any additional advice he can give. It might be just a bit too early to be trying to to make uh, those kinds of predictions, but I can get him to follow up to see if he has more to tell you. Sure. Thank you, Alex. I just got to move this down. Hi, uh, Lisa Parent, Chat News, Medicine Hat. I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, Rochelle mentioned that Medicine Hat uh, residents are hard workers, they have honor. Just some of the reasons why, why they've decided to expand to Medicine Hat. How do we use this to pave the way uh, towards more corporations, thinking of you know the Brooks Medicine Hat region as a place to expand to? Well, p part of what we're doing with our strategy is we're, we're looking at building an agri-food corridor in southern Alberta. We have Parliamentary Secretary Grant Hunter, who I understand hopefully hopes to visit here tomorrow, who's been uh, really um, active on, on attracting businesses here and really active on promoting the kind of infrastructure investments we need to be able to make to support it. I think what will be key is the, the Highway 3 upgrade. I've also signed a, a cross-border uh, letter with uh, Montana governor asking the federal government to have 
the 24-hour crossing at Wild Horse Crossing, which I think would also be able to assist in getting goods to market faster. So we are we're on standby to do um, to do whatever we can to support the region with additional economic development. We've also got the agri-food tax credit, a 12% tax credit that we hope will attract more manufacturing here. And we already have dozens and dozens of projects that are that are taking a look. So I think that once we've got a connection and good routes between uh, um, all, the, all the way through the southern Alberta, I, I think that that's going to be self-reinforcing. So we want to make sure that we can accelerate the, uh, the, the construction of those kinds of projects. Thank you. And we'll head over to the teleconference line now. Operator, would you be able to put through our first caller, please? Matt Sangas, TTV. Hi, this is a question for the Premier. Uh, in your response to the Prime Minister, you said if Alberta isn't allowed to withdraw from the CPP Act, there would be serious legal and political consequences. Can you expand on that? Well... Look, I mean, I thought that the tone that the Prime Minister took in his letter was inappropriate. We have a constitution that governs the relationship between the federal government and the provincial government. And we also have a, a CPP Act that um, uh, we joined in 1966 that goes through and talks about the provisions for how we might be able to create our own independent Alberta pension plan. This is a conversation that's been happening in our province since 2001, since the original uh, academics, including Stephen Harper, drafted the firewall letter. We did a broad-based consultation in the early part of the, the first UCP mandate, and Albertans asked for us to, to do the work on seeing what it would look like for an Alberta pension plan. That report became available um, in June, and as soon as it became available, I made it public so that people could have the same information and they could have the discussion Jim Dinning is now in the process of going through and uh, started his town hall meetings and we'll get some good feedback from Albertans. But I think Albertans need to know that because of the younger population, higher workforce participation and, we, and higher wages, we have overpaid into the, the Canada Pension Plan. Those dollars have continued to compound and grow. And based on the formula, we would be entitled to 53% of, of the assets. I, I think that the Prime Minister would be far more constructive if he responded and gave us an alternative calculation. What, what does he think? The, uh, the, the actuaries would say, we, we hired Morneau Chappelle, keeping in mind, Bill Morneau was his finance minister, so we did hire some um, a company that has the expertise to, to do this analysis for us, and we believe that this is a decision that should be made by Albertans. It's why we're putting forward pension legislation in the fall, guarantees that benefits will be the same or higher, contributions will be the same or lower. All the assets transferred would be for the purpose of supporting our seniors in the pension plan, and they'll be able to decide through a referendum if that's what Albertans tell us to do. So I think that the we just need to bring the temperature down because, quite frankly, the biggest additional expense on the people of Alberta is the federal carbon tax, which is charging us, a household, an additional $710 per year above and beyond what the rebates are. So if he wants to be concerned about affordability, then I think that he should be looking at retail carbon taxes. He should, he should control that and just allow for our process to play out. And did you have a follow-up there, Nav? Uh, yes, I do. Um, the CPP Investment Board called the Alberta Pension Plan advertising campaign biased. Uh, it also stated that the public survey assumes that respondents want to leave the CPP for the APP and that it directs opinions rather than seeking them. Uh, why is the survey so biased and presupposes the outcome? 
Well, the CPB Investment Board has been advertising in Alberta for years now on this, so I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily an honest, independent third party. I think that they have a, a vested interest in uh, us not having this conversation. So, you know, I'll take that under advisement. But what I would prefer to see from the CPP Investment Board is to give us their assessment, their actuaries. Um, they had, a, had an opportunity to hire an independent assessment to judge our consultation. Maybe they should hire an independent independent assessment to give us the response that we need about what they think the alternative is. If they think that we have interpreted the uh, act wrong, then it's up to them to tell us what the appropriate numbers are. So I encourage them to, to do that work so that we can have the, the conversation. If they think that we're incorrect, then it's incumbent upon them to, uh, to tell us what the alternative is. They haven't done that work and they should. Thank you, Nav. We'll go to our next caller now. Operator, would you be able to put them through, please? Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, this is a question for Premier Smith, um, and it is related to the letter from the Prime Minister that was sent to you and to the entire universe, um, since it was an open letter. Yeah, I think the universe received think, it before I did, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, no day is complete without somebody from the federal government talking about Alberta, do you think any part of the Prime Minister's intervention on the pension issue today is actually in some way related to that elephant in the room, which is the disagreements, ongoing disagreements between the Trudeau government and the Alberta government over the federal net zero electricity plans they have and the emission cap plans they have. In other words, my feeling is the Prime Minister is no doubt upset with the Alberta government for not playing father the leader on those files. So I'm wondering if you think part of his reason for intervening isn't just about pensions, but might also be about that ongoing um, debate going on between the Alberta government and uh, Ottawa. Well, I think it's because they lost a Supreme Court ruling on Friday. Uh, the Supreme Court said that they've been acting illegally. They've been acting outside their constitutional jurisdiction. And they're trying to act as if that ruling didn't come down. But I can tell you, it did. I've read the Constitution. I know what it says. I think that they should read the ruling and read the Constitution and stay in their lane. And so I think that this is probably a reaction to having lost so badly and knowing that we are going to defend our constitutional rights every chance we can and that the Supreme Court is going to back us. So this is a, I think his letter was um, inappropriate in tone. It was overwrought. Uh, the, the calculation in the report suggests that, yeah, there'll be some impact to the rest of Canada if uh, Alberta goes, chooses to go its own way with the assets that we believe we're entitled to. But it's a matter of $175 per person, which, um, you know, and it, it has, would have the same level of support um, and uh, solvency as it did back in 2013. So I, I think he's, he's trying to, to overstate it to make some kind of political point. And quite frankly, I just don't think that that's helpful. I think we should allow for the process to play out, let Albertans decide, because we do have a constitutional right to, to um, manage our, our pensions under Section 94 of the Constitution, if uh, the Prime Minister would like to look that up. And we also have a formula in the CPP Act that uh, we've interpreted if he has an alternative. You know, we welcome all uh, all, all input into our process. If they want to do the work of giving us an alternative based on the reading of that act, we, we welcome the information. And did you have a follow-up, Rick? Oh, always. Um, what is your reaction to yesterday's uh, double 
the, the federal government double down, doubling down on their plans for the uh, net zero by 2035 and their emission cap plans, uh, uh, not only in the House of Commons, but also in uh, media availability. Um, the climate change minister did talk at length about how, how they are proceeding. Thank you very much. So what is your reaction? Because I know that months ago you expressed a lot of hope that there could be some sort of a compromise and some sort of give and take. So how do you react now when it seems very clear that they are going full steam ahead? Well, I would say that um, Environment Minister Stephen Giboa is an ideologue. He's always been an ideologue. He's always been going off announcing things unilaterally, and he's quite frankly becoming very irritating to both me and my environment minister, Rebecca Schultz. That being said, we have a pretty constructive relationship with other federal ministers, and we have a pretty constructive relationship with our deputy ministers who've been meeting this week to try to figure out a pathway for how we can align our interests towards carbon neutrality by 2050. So uh, as he continues to try to to act unilaterally. I, I just take him less and less seriously because, quite frankly, they lost at the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court said they have to make sure that they proceed in a spirit of cooperative federalism. Cooperative federalism is what I am doing. It's when I have conversations with them, I say, let's align around a 2050 target. It's my uh, release of an emissions reduction report, which we did in April. It's my recommendation that we get a table together so that we can negotiate. That's what cooperative federalism looks like. Saying outrageous things in the newspaper to try to antagonize everyone is just irresponsible. And I'm, I'm, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm developing less and less patience for it. Thank you, Rick. We're going to move to our next question, please. Operator, could you put through the next caller? Sean Pulzer, Western Standard. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I'm just wondering if there is um, any room for compromise on uh, transformation. Is there anything that Ottawa could do to kind of maybe uh, smooth some feathers, uh, maybe in the form of supplemental uh, Alberta plan to the CCC or any other kind of uh, concession that might be able to look what is Sean, I just want to make sure you're asking if there's any room for compromise on the issue of the CPP versus the APP. Did I did I follow you? Yeah, yeah. If there's any kind of a wiggle room, or maybe a supplementary Alberta Can I just pause? You? Sorry, sorry, Sam. I can't make out anything that he's saying. I don't know how we're going to resolve that. No. Um. Is there anything we can do on the line? Yeah, I don't know if you can just speak a little more slowly because you're you're quite muffled, Sean. Sorry about that. Is this better? Hundred percent. Is it okay? I'm sorry. It's it's my headphone. No. Um, the question that I had is: Is there any kind of a room for compromise or any kind of steps that Auto could? take like uh, maybe a supplemental Alberta plan to the CPP that might be able to resolve uh, some of these issues or is it just black and white? 
Well, the, the, the way the legislation is written is it is, as I understand it, binary. It's either you're in a Canada pension plan or you have your own independent provincial plan. So that seems to be the way the, the, the legislation is structured. Uh, there is a potential that we could continue working with the CPPIB. That was one of the considerations that uh, by having a separate plan, we could still keep the assets with the, uh, the CPPIB. Um, they don't seem to be interested in pursuing that, obviously with the letter that they they, uh, they wrote to us. But that, that is an option. Um, I think the, the main thing, though, is that, as I said, this has been a conversation in our province for two decades. It was, uh, the, we, the, commi- the report was commissioned, and um, I just felt that uh, I had to carry on the work that had been started by my, my predecessor, that people needed to know the information that I knew, and now we're having a debate, and they'll be able to make a a choice. Uh, uh, if, if that's what they choose to do, we'll, we'll put it to a referendum and we'll let the people decide. And uh, follow-up. Um, did I understand that you're planning on introducing some legislation in the fall? And if so, would there be any discussion of how the assets might be divided, uh, maybe in terms of whether this is a cash uh, settlement or whether they're going to spin off some of the holdings, you know, Maybe the people of Alberta get the shares of Suncor, or would there be any kind of preference for uh, what kinds of assets that we would be willing to uh, accept in lieu of maybe a, a cash settlement? The 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 uh, legislation coming forward in the fall just has four elements to it. One is a guarantee that any assets transferred would stay within the plan. Number two is the only way we would proceed with an Alberta plan is if the benefits were better or equal. Or uh, number three, the contributions have to be the same or less. And then the fourth aspect is it would have to be put to the people in a referendum. There, there isn't any additional elements in there talking about how the funds would be invested. I think that's a bit premature. We still have to go through the, uh, the consultation on that. The consultation, I believe... Uh, Jim Dinning is leading. I believe he's going to be giving us a report in May of 2024. And at that point, we'll decide uh, whether to go to a referendum because we'll have pretty clear feedback from the people about whether or not they want to have a direct vote. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Operator, could you put through our next caller here, please? We have time for one or maybe two more questions. Terry Reeves, CBC. Yes, hi. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for taking my call. This is for the Premier, and, uh, of course, it's on the Alberta Pension Plan. And I'd just like to get back to the Prime Minister's letter, uh, in which he states the harm that this would cause would be undeniable to millions of seniors and hardworking people and would expose millions of Canadians to greater volatility uh, in, their, in their pension savings. So the question would be to the people who live outside of Alberta, who may be having uh, a lot of uncertainty and questions about this, particularly when they hear that uh, Alberta is entitled to 53% number. What do you say to the rest of Canada, to the other premiers who would be impacted by this and do not have a say and will not be part of a referendum? Well, I, I guess what I would say is that the the Prime Minister is dramatically overstating the issue. There'll be some impact, yes. Uh, The report says that because Alberta is a small population province, we would actually have a great savings in the amount of our over-contribution. So each individual would be able to save $1,425. Each business would be able to save $1,425 per employee. But the effect on the 
rest of the country would be relatively small because it's a much larger population. This is what happens when you ask a small province of four and a half million people to subsidize the rest of the country. When the Alberta pension plan is separate, the impact for those who are paying in would be much more dramatic. Those who would be on the other side, it's $175 per person and $175 per employer. So yeah, there'd be an impact, but uh, nothing like what the what the prime minister describes. I guess the, 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 the point is, um, we believe that the constitution matters, as you saw from the victory that we had on Friday. The court believes the constitution matters. Constitution says that provinces have the right to be able to have their own pension plan. And the CPP Act also talks about a, a statute in statute how those assets should be divvied up in the event a, a province chooses to go its own way. So we're just following the law. And um, as I said, we'll be looking forward to seeing the Prime Minister and the CPP Investment Board make a submission if they have some kind of alternative for how they would approach that actuarial analysis that we've done and then we'll, we'll put it to the to the people here to make a to make a choice and did you have a follow-up there scott uh it's uh, it's actually terry um certainly uh and i would also like to touch on the cpp investment board letter where it talks about the advertising campaign in support of consultation unbalanced and incomplete, the uh, survey failing to meet key principles in effective and meaningful consultation with the public. In fact, uh, I noted that the, uh, the uh, uh, survey itself does not ask the question, do you or do you not want an Alberta pension plan? It, uh, it asks a lot of questions supposing that, uh, that the respondents do want an Alberta pension plan. Will you be changing anything about the Alberta government approach, uh, particularly should you get uh, other numbers? from CPP investments or from the federal government? Well, um, I'm leaving that to the to the committee to make a decision on the best way to consult. They are doing town halls. The first one had 12,000 people participate in it. There were a lot of questions and a lot of comments. We have the ability for people to give us uh, letters to our MLAs, submit their comments on our website, take part in the survey. So we're, we're doing lots of different mechanisms to be able to get the, the largest number of people giving us feedback as possible. So uh, Din Mr. Dinning will talk to tens of thousands of people through his process. We'll hear from hundreds of thousands of people through the other mechanism. And then ultimately, if we get enough indication that people want to go for a vote, that is the ultimate consultation where every single person will be able to participate in an open democratic process. Third-party advertisers will be welcome to participate in it. People will have full information, and then ultimately they'll mark their acts on what it is they would like us to do. So I would say that uh, this initial consultation period is to let people know what the impacts might be and to gauge the level of interest that there is in a referendum. And I think it's a bit premature. I don't, I don't know the answer to that yet. I'll, I'll wait until Mr. Dinning's finished his work. Thank you very much, Terry. And but I will underscore that the CPPIB, we would be grateful to them if they would, instead of doing reports on political matters, if they would actually do the report we need them to do, which is to do the actuarial analysis uh, based on what the statute says. And if they have an alternative way of talking about what we're entitled to for our assets, we welcome them to give us that information. And I hope that they take us up on that. Thank you, Terry. And we just have time for one last question today. Operator, can you put through our last caller here, please? Emmanuel Prince, Radio Canada. Hi, Premier. Um, my question is pretty simple. If this does go to court in the end, why do you think the Supreme Court will back Alberta? 
Well, um, the Section 94 of the Act talks about how uh, the federal government can also have a pension support, but there's nothing that they can do that would stop the provincial government from also having a pension. So it's right there in our Constitution, our founding principles, that uh, provinces do have a right to have their own pension plan. Plus, we also have been operating under a statute going back to 1966, which uh, enshrined the right of every province to be able to reserve the opportunity to step out of the, of the uh, plan if they chose to. So uh, the law matters, the Constitution matters, and we're operating on the assumption that the Supreme court realizes that too, especially with the decision they made on Friday. So I would say that uh, we're just at the early stages of consultation and I think we need an answer to this. So Albertans ha now have the information and they're going to have to, to make a choice about whether they want a referendum. And was there a follow-up there as well? See, um, yeah. I'm just wondering uh, how do you explain the discrepancy between the LifeWorks report and other reports we get from economists or uh, the part that Alberta played into contributing to the CPP, which is about 16%. How do you explain the discrepancy from 16% to 53% of the whole uh, pot? There's nothing in the legislation that says that uh, our entitlement would be based on per capita. In fact, it's the opposite. The, uh, the Act clearly states that we'd be um, made whole uh, versus w if we'd never entered into the plan at all. And that had to, of course, be adjusted because of the dollars in versus the dollars out. But that's what the LifeWorks report was all about, is looking at what the statute says about the contributions. So we've over-contributed. Those contributions have compounded over time. And based on their calculation, they believe that that over-contribution and compounding comes to 53% of the assets. Now, I'd be far more interested in hearing an alternative um, interpretation from the CPPIB uh, that would be based on the statute, not an opinion. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful that rather than just offering an opinion, they'll actually do the hard work, look at the, at the uh, legislation and give us an answer to that about if we've done the calculation wrong, we'd be quite interested in uh, seeing what their alternative calculation is, but it can't, it has to be based on what's in the act. That's, um, that's how statutes work is that you have to follow the law and we would, we would look forward to that submission. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for questions today. And thanks, special everyone. thanks to everyone in the room. Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone.